You're listening to the Reinvest Podcast, where each Tuesday we will show you how to reclaim, reconnect, and refocus your life by bringing you the top real estate professionals in the industry. We'll pull back the curtain so you can implement these tools and tactics to build generational wealth. Your host, Garrett Gatton and Seth Simonillo. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening in to episode number 38 of the Reinvest Podcast, where Seth and I get to show you how to maximize your life through the power of real estate investing. It is powerful indeed. So one might say with great power comes great responsibility, uh, copyright. Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben. Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Truer words have never been said. So no, exciting episode here today. Um, we're going to get into another alternative commercial real estate asset class, um, self-storage. So uh, we've got uh, an awesome guy on today that we met at the Best Ever Conference, which our listeners, if you don't know what that is by now, then you haven't been listening to our podcast because at this point we've referenced it probably a half a dozen times. (laughs) Um, But it's a great, great conference. You should check it out. One of many. Uh, But Andrew Leadham from Self Storage Stewardship, we got a chance to meet. Uh, did we meet last year or did we just, I I felt like we saw you. I think we, I think we did cross paths last year. But, um, so is that was last year, your first time at best ever? That was, I I went the previous year when they had the, um, it was all virtual. Oh, that Mm. doesn't count. So, but yeah, no, that was my, that was my first, uh, in person was, uh, two years ago and then followed it up this past year. You know, it's, it's funny. Like if you were in the event venue space, uh, I could totally see being like, Hey, virtual, this is still going to be great value. (laughs) And well, what are you going to say? You know what I mean? You you can't be like, Hey guys, we're going to do this, but it's going to suck because we all enjoy being a person, but you should come anyway and give us your money. (laughs) So I heard some feedback from that. It was not the same as being in person, which it would be hard to compete with that anyway. So, oh, Definitely not. Although I think uh, they they did the whole conference through the Whova app, and um, oh, wow. they kept that in place. Which I think that's that's been nice to you know be able to connect with the other attendees and and things mm. like that. So you still have the the networking value of of being a part of the virtual conference. Yeah, exactly. They've they've got the you know even the in person ones now. It's it's easier to find people and yeah. Oh, I lost that guy's business card. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Look them up. Look them up. Right. Yeah. So Andrew is, uh, you are the founder of self storage stewardship. Is that, is that accurate? That's correct. Yep. Okay. So, uh, and you're also a father. How many kids you got? Uh, four kids, four kids, dad, husband, self storage guru. No, (laughs) I'm going to talk you up really big. You know what I mean? Um, no, but it's great to have you on here. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about self-storage stewardship and what it is and how you got here? Where'd you come from? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, so to start, I, uh, kind of went the traditional path to going to school, uh, for engineering, uh, worked as a structural engineer for 12 years, uh, inspecting, designing bridges, buildings, waterfront structures. Um, and along that process, uh, I was never, super passionate about engineering. I just did it because I liked math and it uh, paid the bills. But um, along the way, you know, as I climbed up that corporate ladder, it just was demanding more and more of me. And uh, when the opportunity came to take another step on that that ladder, I reevaluated with my wife. We uh, talked about it and prayed. And um, it was at that point that I decided to pursue the commercial real estate 
thing. Up to that point, I had mm. some um, smaller residential rentals, um, residential multifamily, some duplexes and a triplex. And um, and that that was working, but it was just going to take a long time <laughs> to yeah. get to where I mm-hmm. wanted to go. So um, so that was, you know, prior to that, I really thought the commercial space was out of reach for me. You know, that, that that's for the, the big guys. Right. Um, but, you know, when my when that why really became strong enough, it was, you know, I was determined to make it happen and took a little bit of time to evaluate between self-storage, mobile home parks and multifamily and landed on self-storage and just dove in. Um, I jumped into as many trainings and groups as I could, hired a coach, uh, joined a mastermind group. And um, that first year, uh, within about five months, I had two properties under contract and mm. the the closing stretched out as a lot of them typically do. And right. uh, by the end of that first year, I was able to close on both of those and uh, stepped aside from engineering to focus on real estate. I was uh, doing my self-storage stuff and also worked with a, a local investment group uh, for about a year, uh, helping them with some of their um, their projects. But uh, since then, I've... Uh, um, when you say focused- you worked with a local investment group, like yes. a local, like a real estate investing group. Yeah, they're they're called community investment group. They're primarily multifamily, but uh, I was helping them on a few hotel to multifamily conversions, uh, boat and RV development projects. So, and, like uh, consulting some other with your investor relations, some opportunity zone fund things. So, um, so was that so just yeah. a way for you to kind of practically dip your toe in some commercial real estate, or was that through your W two job that you were doing that? Yeah, so that was that really uh, that was uh, I did it through um, the self storage stewardship as a ten ninety nine, but um, we just partnered with uh, with them, and um, that allowed me to step away from engineering mm. sooner because um, nice. both the properties I had were pretty heavy lifts, so the the cash flow was was going to take a little while to build up, um, and so yeah, I did did that and. Um, and, and now what year, what year was now that? I'm just a hundred percent focused on, on self-storage and, uh, in my properties and looking to acquire a few more this, this coming year. Yeah. I want to back up just a little bit, um, for yeah, people, absolutely. I think, I think it's always, um, it, I like for our listeners and I like to understand too, some of the, the, the psychological dynamics that you were feeling at that time, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't come from the corporate world. Um, but we've interviewed a lot of guests and I've talked to a lot of people who have, um, been successful in that space, but it wasn't sustainable, you know? So mm-hmm. what were some of the pain points when you were in your job scaling kind of the, the ladder as an engineer that caused you to consider real estate? Yeah, I think, um, a lot of it was just the, um, you know, I'm pretty performance driven and, you know, just the weight of, you know, I don't, I don't do anything halfway. So I'm, I'm fully engaged with whatever I'm doing. And, and so that just the, the work as the responsibilities got more, as I had more people under me, more projects I'm managing, um, that just really weighed on me. Um, Mm -hmm. I was really stressed out a lot, had work on my mind, even when I'm at home, you know, Mm -hmm. waking up, thinking about projects and what calculations did I, uh, do I still need to do what, mm. you know, did I remember that? Did I remember this? And, um, just trying to hit deadlines. Um, so, so that was, that was a part of it. And then just the, um, 
just the time, um, you know, it was working, working longer. Um, the paycheck was getting bigger, which was nice, but that was, you know, a lot of the other arenas of life were sacrificing, mm-hmm. um, as a result. And then, um, and then as well, just, um, just that feeling trapped of the, you know, the, the weekly grind of, yeah, you know, it's, you know, just how long am I going to be doing this and really not being energized by what I was doing, but, um, being drained. That's uh, we mm. were hit him with that, that one, uh, that John Gordon thing that we just listened which, to, which one about your purpose and why we get burnt out. Oh, okay. So yeah, we were just listening to a podcast that Brandon Turner released with John Gordon, um, better life podcast. And we were just, mm-hmm. we were debriefing on, on everything they were talking about. And I wrote it down because it was a quote that kind of, it just stuck out to me right when I right when I heard it. So it says, we don't get burned out because what we do, we get burned out because we forget why we do it. Hmm. And, um, hmm. you know, just kind of thinking of my own life as I'm doing this real estate journey, it's a lot of work. And I'm sure, you know what I mean? You felt that too, especially when you had one leg in the W-2 realm and one leg in the real estate realm. That transition hmm. is so rocky. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're just, you, you're, you, you're straddling yeah. a lot of responsibilities. You're taking on a lot of things. And if you forget your why, then you lose motivation. You lose, you get burned out because there, yep, there's no exactly. way you can do it. Mm-hmm. And so how was that transition for you as you were going through that? I mean, obviously you were starting to get burned out on your W2 job and feeling trapped, but I mean, what was, when you started to really start to transition over, what were, I mean, what were some of the changes that maybe you made personally or how did you rectify maybe handling two responsibilities like that or? Yeah. I mean, just what you said, um, the getting your why down, you know, I, I, uh, had the opportunity and, you know, I think the, uh, the Lord just kind of opened the doors right when I was making that decision. I, I attended a, um, a virtual conference and, a guy, um, Mike Morawski, he's in the multifamily space, was there, and uh, partner uh, Carl Moose, and they were actually starting a um, a coaching program that was part commercial real estate, part mindset, and working through Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, mm-hmm. um, and just really, you know, a sixty day daily journals and kind of really digging into what's what's your motivation and what's your why. Um, why did God put you here? <laughs> right. And, um, and so, you know, really started it with that. Um, but then, you know, just, you know, knowing, um, knowing the reasons I'm doing this and for my family and for, um, what, what we want to be about and what I wanted my life to look like, um, really gave me that energy. Like you were saying, you know, I was, you know, that, that year, year plus, you know, I was, um, getting up at five every morning and working for, you know, two, two and a half hours before I went to work and some in the evenings and then putting in five to five to seven hours on Saturdays. Um, and you know, when I think back, it's like, how did I do that? (laughs) But I know know how I did it because, you know, my focus was on, you know, this is not a five-year thing, (laughs) you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, this, this isn't sustainable, but it is for the right reasons and working towards this goal. And so, um, so I think that that, that really, that really was key. And then also, you know, I can't, can't go forward without, uh, just 
commending my wife and, you know, the extra burdens she had during that year with mm-hmm. me really not being present <laughs> a ton, yeah. you know, cause the, the time that I did have, you know, now is dedicated towards trying to get this self storage business going. And, yeah. um, and so she really carried all of the slack that year. Yeah. And so, yeah, couldn't have done it without her and, and her support and encouragement along the way. Can, can I comment on that for a second? Um, yeah. You know, I think every husband wife team, their dynamic looks a little bit different in terms of roles and responsibilities and, you know, kind of the specific day to day. But the ones that work and that are successful, it is very much a, a team sport kind of within your family and your marriage. And so, you know, we were talking, we've got uh, some new clients of ours that uh, they're very active with one another in terms of being, you know, they're flippers, they flip houses yep. and, and she does a lot of the design aesthetic and stuff. And, and he does a lot of more of the nuts and bolts kind of execution thing. They work together. You know, our wives uh, are supportive more from the standpoint of, of uh, putting work in at home so that mm-hmm. we can go out and put effort in, you know, to change kind of the, the, the trajectory of our family. Exactly. But, it's all the same. I mean, it's, it's all that, that like-mindedness, that oneness and purpose and mindset. And you have to have that. Or mm-hmm. like I tell my wife, I'm like, Lydia, if, if we're good, if our relationship's good, I feel like I can withstand so much externally from our family. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, I feel like somebody could, you know, bring the army, you know, cause we can, if, mm-hmm. if we're good, the foundation's good, but it's that adage that a house divided cannot stand. So, yep. um, Absolutely. I think that's so, that's awesome that you honor your wife and recognizing that. And also that, you know, you guys were able to get on the same page because mm-hmm. now yeah. you're in a different spot, right? You've, you've jumped, you've left your structural engineering job behind yep. and you've got a few projects under your belt now to be able to go full time. Yes. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so let's get in on, uh, you know, so the title of this episode is how to get through the next recession with self-storage. And there's been a lot of buzz, uh, around self-storage, yep. but hopefully you can maybe pull back the curtain for us a little bit, help our listeners understand why. And yeah, and you said that you were exploring other commercial asset classes before you landed mm-hmm. on yeah. self-storage. So why don't you talk about that? You, you said you looked at multifamily, you looked at mobile homes, mm-hmm. came to self-storage. Yep. How did you land on self-storage? What maybe contrast, what made you decide that? People? No yeah, people. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, good <laughs> that's question. A um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, I love all three of those asset classes. I think they're all, they all fit within that recession-resistant bucket um, as far as the supply and demand metric. Um, you know, we're always going to need housing. Um, so, you know, I, I like the multifamily space. Um, but really, when it came down to the commercial side and me transitioning from my job, um, the commercial multifamily space is much more institutionalized than self-storage, although self-storage is getting there. Um, and so you're you're dealing with a lot of big players. And yeah. um, now you can get in kind of the slow and gradual if you're, you know, do the eight unit, do the 16 unit, you know, a lot of the stuff that people aren't willing to do. But you know, the economies of scale are a lot more challenging there as well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the the tenants and toilets, you know, all of that, you know, was was just not something that I, I saw as being viable for me with where I was at with my work and the demands. Um, 
And so, you know, I, I invest passively in multifamily stuff, but I leave the operations to the the folks who have the teams and systems already built. Wow. Um, what a sucker those people are. Yeah. <laughs> the multifamily <laughs> operators. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, uh, there's, you know, there's great, great teams out there and, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's a great asset class and mm-hmm. you know, we're there's such a such a shortage in housing um that it's uh it's going to be it's going to be a great place for investments. Um and it, along the similar lines, the mobile home park, you know, I think that the demand for that is even greater. You know, the affordable housing is, you know, the demand is just through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um the um the problems the what kind of led me away from mobile home park was was really the fact that um a lot of the options were cut off the table because there's very few mun- municipalities in the the country that are allowing new development or mm-hmm. allowing expansion you know all of those types of things that there's you know there's 50 some thousand existing facilities so they're there uh you can buy them but I also saw, you know, mobile home parks are just as hot as self-storage, you know, and so the the competition is fierce. Um, you've got consolidation happening in those markets, too. There, there still are a lot of opportunities to deal with mom and pop. So I like that. Uh, love the fact that you're able to um, own the land, own the utilities, but you know, lease the, you know, not have the, the actual homes. So your liability right. becomes less, your maintenance, you know, is maintenance less. responsibilities become <laughs> less. Um, but really it came down to that, you know, I wanted, I wanted an asset class that was going to grow with the population. And mm-hmm. so, um, so self-storage fit that, you know, self-storage um, is, is a, an asset class that, you know, the demand is there, the demand is growing, especially among, uh, millennials and you know younger generations that are utilizing storage yeah. um and so the the trend lines are there as far as growing percentage of the population but it's also tracking with population growth and so you can really target markets that are that are growing and it can support the new development aspect of of the industry with bringing stuff in and so um the other the other thing you know as far as the recession recession resistant you know it's uh it not only holds but i mean covid was um you know there's nothing like it in the industry before you know the the industry exploded during covid um and you know it's one of those things that when the the economy's booming people are buying stuff they need places to put it when it's when it's during a recession people are downsizing and they don't want to get rid of their stuff. So they're putting it into storage. So they, they may have to go from a, you know, three bedroom to a two bedroom and, you know, they, they compensate by getting a storage unit. So, um, so the asset class itself is um, I like, but, um, but also something that I could do while working um, able to uh, run the facilities remotely which was a huge thing for me because it broadens right. where I can look. Um, and so, how, yeah. How, how big is the remote that you use to run them? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Dad joke. Okay. Oh, yeah. who, who let this guy Got in him. here? No, that's, that's interesting. Do you think there's a correlation between millennials wanting to be more renter based than home ownership uh, and 
does that coincide with some of the the trends uh, with self storage? You know, I'm just thinking rationally. If people want to rent, generically speaking, rentals have fewer storage options, so people are relying on some kind of a supplemental place to store their crap if they're not yep. going to buy a house where you have a garage. Hey, it's good stuff. Okay, <laughs> we gotta store the stuff and never come back for it. <laughs> Forget that you have it, I dude. I've seen those those TV shows like where the they, yeah what is what is storage yeah. wars storage yeah. wars but they're like in like Orange County so you're right. gonna find like these really beautiful stuff and uh, I guarantee you you open up some of the <laughs> the storage probably find a Not body so or something like that yeah right? yeah I'm sure there's a lot that don't make it on that show so is is that is that a part of kind of the mindset is is the the general populace is moving more towards kind of a renter nation mm-hmm. versus home ownership. Um, yeah, that definitely, that definitely plays into it. Um, for sure. As well as just the, the housing market in general, you know, the, yeah. the spring lease up is, you know, the, the hot time for self storage just cause there's more movement in the, mm. you know, in the rental and the residential market, people are moving more. And so you've got, you've got kind of two buckets of clients of, uh, customers. You've got the ones that are using it for long-term storage or, end up using it, you know, I'm, I'm just going to put my stuff there for three months, but end up in there for a year. Right. Um, and then you've got people that are utilizing it because, Hey, I'm, I just sold my house. We're in between. I've got a needed place to put the stuff. So, you know, that part of the, that bucket is a constant flux. You've got people coming and going, and then you've got your, your base. That's kind of always there. Um, so the, the movement part of it is very, uh, reflective of, you know, the housing market and people moving and, you know, the influx and in movement of people. I've talked to some operators of self-storage facilities and they almost speak about it like it's a commodity in terms mm-hmm. of the pricing. Yes. So like, what's the strat with fluctuating <laughs> prices at certain times in the year to lease stuff up? And do you want to be at the top of the market? Do you want to leave some meat on the bone? Do you want to be a hundred percent full? Do you want occupancy or like vacancy? Yep. You know, that's a good question. Um, yeah, it, it is very, very much more of a, um, a commodity that you're bringing to the market. And so, um, in terms of that, it's, um, you want to have supply for your customers. So, if you're hundred percent full and somebody needs a five by five or needs a 10 by 10 to put their stuff in for that move that they, that they're taking um, and you don't have anything available, you're not really serving the market. Um, and so, you know, it, the goal is to have at least one of every unit size available. If, if you're hundred percent full, you know, you're bumping rates. Um, and you know, it is very much of a dynamic pricing model, similar to hotels or airlines, you know, mm-hmm. people are tracking airline tickets all the time. You know, you, you can see it, it's going up one day down right. the next, and that's just based on a uh, supply demand and self-storage is very similar where, um, and, and that's really a distinguishing mark between the REITs and the mom and pops. Um, the REITs are, you know, they've got their systems dialed in. I mean, they'll have they'll have two facilities a mile apart and have a particular unit um, two or three times the rent <laughs> at one, just because they're, they're driving the rates be- based on availability and things. Wow. Um, and so, you know, they're really, their things are changing daily, if not hourly. Um, mm. I'm not, I'm not on it that much, but you know, I, I try to keep 
keep pace of the market and am adjusting things accordingly. Um, do you so. use some sort of software to help with that pricing model or is it just do you have it all up on a spreadsheet and you're looking at your occupancies and you're kind of making the calls on when to write, when to start ticking up rents or? Yeah, I'm doing it myself. Um, mm -hmm. There's some, um, there's some softwares out there that do it. Um, you know, store edge is one that you can put in your criteria based on occupancy that, Hey, when it hits 90%, I want you to raise rates X percent. And when it hits 95, raise it this much percent, you know, you can set those. Mm -hmm. So it's automatic. Um, there's also some other software that helps you with that. Um, but as far as the software goes, self-storage is really behind the times. COVID forced things to accelerate. And so we're it's moving in the right direction, but there's still a lot of room there. And I think that that pricing, those pricing models are a big part of um a big part of what what folks are looking for now. So how do you compete in an asset class that's got lots of investors who are hungry for it? Um I think that you know, that's a, that's a good question. There's, um, it's really consistency, um, consistency and building relationships. You know, you're yeah, building relationships with brokers, <laughs> you're building relationships with owners. Um, that's what it is with multifamily. You know, <laughs> yeah. It, it all comes down yeah. to relationships. And if you can set yourself up, uh, set yourself apart from, you know, the other thousand mailers that are going out. Well, or, and here's um, the reality of what you're saying. And Pretty much everyone that's gotten on this podcast. I mean, anybody that has had any type of scale or success has all felt that. And when people are trying to break in, it's mm -hmm. like, oh man, it's so hard. And who were we talking to the other day? They're like, it's really not, it's really not hard. Mm. Who was that? Or maybe that was a podcast. I don't know. It's really not that hard, but it takes consistency. Yeah, it's simple, yeah. not easy. It's, right. It's and and um for people that are just trying, they're like, oh man, I've reached out to 15 people or I've made 15 cold calls, or I've made yeah. 100 cold calls. Mm -hmm. And really, they're doing the right things. And I mean, you probably, I don't know, how. do you have any idea how many times it took you to get your first two deals? How many people you talked to? How many deals you went after? Please I mean, don't was, say two. I'm just kidding. No. That's going to make <laughs> no, us look I mean, really bad. Uh, um, no, I mean, I was analyzing probably, I don't know, 10, uh, 10 deals a week um, and started... You know, started in December and it wasn't until May that I had one under contract. So, so there's I mean, it was a good know, five months, five months um, of, you know, so I mean, it was deals. probably yeah, a couple um, hundred deals that you analyze. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just takes the consistency and it's that it's like, that's like the grunt work. You're like, oh, got to mm -hmm. analyze another 10 deals. It's got a little word called grit. Yeah. Grit. Reoccurring But, but I would say, you know two comments as far as um you will really serve yourself well the more that you niche down mm -hmm. because especially within real estate it's so easy to get shiny object syndrome because there's mm -hmm. a million ways to make money in real estate you're talking um, to me so um <laughs> so you really need to the the more that you determine what you want and what you're going for and really be disciplined to focus on that and not, and, you know, do this for a month and then switch up to something yeah, else. Yeah. That's a good word. And that's something that Garrett and I uh, both struggle with. We, you Speak know, we're, for yourself, man. Yeah. Right. 
we like get our head turned and then there's like a single family house that looks like a good deal. Who's trying to make a couple thousand bucks? I know. And we're, you know, and we're not, we're trying to do this mobile home park thing and we're trying to do, you know, multifamily. So that's something we need to get better at as we continue to go on this investment journey of really, really niching, you know, carving out a section of real estate that we want to go after. Um, so that's a good word. You said that you were just at a mastermind conference, maybe like a couple weeks ago. Yep. To, um, Maybe last week, yeah, week and a half. Dallas, ago. Texas. Which little plug uh, against people from Texas? <laughs> and they're so snarky about their state. You know, you ever realize that? <laughs> it's always like well, everything's bigger in Texas, and you're just like, yeah, I don't care about Texas. They almost treat it like it's a country. Adam, you're not from me. Texas, right? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> That's funny. So give us. I actually a couple- made the made the mistake of wearing my Eagles hat without even realizing. Oh. It. Cowboys versus I was Patriots. told that very quickly. <laughs> They're like, take that off. And it's open carry down there. I mean, people will just holster <laughs> up. You never know when someone's going to. Nah, they're good people. Yeah. Uh, just, just arrogant. But um, no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> what are some takeaways from your mastermind group, uh, the, the conference there? Because it was specifically for self-storage. Mm-hmm. Was it people talking about maybe changes in the industry? Was it just fundamentals of how to build your business? What stuck out to you? Yeah, I'd say um, th- this group is, um, it's a lot closer knit. It's probably about 50 of us and um, we meet twice a year, uh, go over, uh, we dig into some of the nuts and bolts of of storage, some of the best practices amongst ourselves, um, some, um, you know, the the marketing side, the, the buying side, the operating side. Um, but, you know, probably about half of it is, more on the the lifestyle side and the the why and the you know the um um you know how we're building our business as well and so that that's always really helpful um as well as just being able to have some um some time to step away from your business and mm-hmm. to to work on it and kind of make those those goals yeah. for the next 6 months mm-hmm. um outside say- of the day to day did you say the guy that spearheads that? His name is Mike Wazowski. <laughs> his name is Mike. <laughs> ah, what's his last name? Uh, Mike Wagner. Wagner. Uh, I don't know yep. Wazowski. I live my life in Pixar movies. I've got five kids, so that's all I know are Pixar references. But yeah. <laughs> so what was what were some of the the key takeaways in terms of whether it was a lifestyle thing, sharpening your why? What did you walk away from with that? Yeah, I mean one one of the things we did was, uh, it was just an exercise in, in dreaming. It was just, Mm. you know, walking through just the different spheres of life and just allowing yourself to dream and separating it from a goal, you know, not, not Mm. thinking that you're going to have to meet all these, but Hey, let's just open up the possibilities and just dream. Um, and you know, another one was just about that relationship thing. Um, one of the guys, uh, spoke about the value of, um, of relationships and, you know, he gave this analogy of the fact that like, we're all like candles, right. And our, our light sometimes goes out and we need others around us to, to light us back up. And so, you know, just living every day on the lookout for who, who needs their candle lit, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, you know, so stuff like that was really good. You know, one of the, the guys spoke about just, um, CRM process and, you know, the, the niching down, getting, you know, getting your, 
really targeting your audience of of owners, you know, getting it down from several thousand to if you can get it down to, hey, I'm focused on these 300 and mm-hmm. um, and I'm just going to be consistent with them over the next year, two years. Um, yeah. And so. Uh, so, yeah, those are some of the takeaways. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. We're going to move into our smaller pocket segment. All right. So why don't you go ahead and tell us what was one of your worst real estate deals? What happened? What went wrong? And then uh, what did you learn from it? It could be from the self-storage side. It could be single family, duplex, triplex side, What, whatever, whatever you got for us. This is one of my favorite segments of the show. And it's not because I love to watch someone else squirm in misery, but it's like... You learn your best lessons through the struggle. And I think it's because your your senses are like tuned in and dialed to 11 out of a mixture of anxiety and necessity. So, Well, and I think people put podcasts, people on a pedestal or like people that are oh, successful yeah. in real estate, they're like, I'll never be as successful as that person. And it's like, we, we all make dumb mistakes and yeah. we've all had some crappy deals and we've all had some, uh, you know, trials to get yeah, to where we're at. That's true. And so I, I think it's a good example to share those things and, and to, you know, be able to laugh about them and move cry. on and learn from them, yeah, cry, cry about, about them. Yeah. You know. Yep. Absolutely. No. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll give you a two first. So I'll, uh, give you nice. a 30 second one. Um, back when I was first starting out, just digging into bigger pockets, figuring out the real estate thing. Um, I'll say the, the, the worst deal was one that I never did. <laughs> It was a house in my neighborhood. I was on a run, you know, noticed all the things that you look for, the tall grass, the, you know, um, uh, just trash can broken window. And it's like, oh, that'd be a good house. Did the research, even like dug into finding the owner, but never did anything with it. And a few months later, uh, met the guy that flipped it at a, he was doing a yard sale of clearing the house out and, uh, he gave me all the numbers and Aww. that was uh that was pretty rough. What Aww. were the mar- what were the margins on that? I mean, was it He uh he bought it for 110 and uh sold it for 3 340. So decent margins. Mm. I- yeah. <laughs> mm. Um so yeah, no, that was uh so that was the first uh the, the second one that the deal that I actually did was um uh was a duplex that I bought and a um a class C area and uh that probably tells you a lot about um what's coming yeah, but um you know that's going but yeah that was um ended up you know just um just really struggling and that that one was it was doing fine um it was doing okay uh until covid hit and then it then it got really rough so um, so what happened during, I mean just with non-payment of rent or what yeah non-payment and then just issues with um you know, just taking care of the property, um, you know, turnover was, you know, every, every turnover ended up being a couple thousand dollars to Mm. fix everything that was, that was broken or, um, or all of that. So did Um, they try to use that kind of that waiver that tenants were filling out during COVID, uh, the moratorium type stuff, did they use that or did they just stop paying and then the local laws didn't allow you to pursue anything or? Yeah, that was that was it right there. And I mean, one of them told my property manager, I'm not paying because I don't have to. Oh, um, love that attitude. That's not how yeah. it works. <laughs> <laughs> Did you so, get to tell the um, bank that? <laughs> what's that? Did you tell your lender that? <laughs> yeah, 
No. Just run it up the flagpole, you know, hey, listen, my tenant told me he's not paying because he doesn't have to, and I'm going to tell you the same thing. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't feel like the outcome would be the same. So. Yeah, no. Fortunately, I, I am a, a pretty conservative underwriter, so I wasn't in uh, in in too much danger, but it, it was still, uh, you know, there for a while. I had both both tenants not paying, but mm. we were oh, able wow. to get it worked out. Do you still have that property? What's that? Do you still have that property? No, I actually, in the last two years, have sold all my uh, residential okay. multifamily. So I was going to ask that. I was going to ask how, if you were planning to sell them soon, just knowing that you're full-time in self-storage. Yeah. Uh, so that makes sense. Was so, that yeah, in Virginia? So I actually, uh, yeah, I sold sold that one and rolled it into my second uh, self storage deal and sold the sold a triplex and rolled it into my first one. Do you do that awesome. through a ten thirty one exchange? I I went through the ten thirty one exchange process for one of them, um, yeah. but then um, uh, realized that you know in order for a ten thirty one to really work and make sense, you've got to do it through the same tax entity. And yeah. so I was still doing stuff in my personal name for on the residential side, but wanted everything to go through gotcha. my holding company on the. Yep the business and self-storage side. So gotcha. ended up not, uh, not following through with that. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's, that's awesome though. That was kind of the nest egg for you to launch into. And, yeah. And that's but, the thing. Yeah. Everybody... It was, it was great. I mean, the, what I walked away with was just what I needed for the down payment. So yeah, it was, oh, worked wow. out very well. That is the fun part of real estate. You know, you spend so much grinding on the front end. You're like, man, am I ever going to be on the seller side? And, <laughs> you know, you get the paycheck or, or you know, do what right. you did and upgrade into properties. But mm-hmm. um, that's an empowering feeling. All right, man. Our last show segment's called Our Little Nugget. So what is one practical takeaway or piece of advice for our listeners that they can implement to their real estate investing businesses? Yeah, I would say just going with our uh, our conversation earlier um, to um, to really narrow your focus on what it is you're after in life and how it is you're going to get there, and really niche down that uh, you know determine what those things are and and just hit it hard and stay stay in that track. Um, don't get distracted. Um, be be diligent and consistent over mm-hmm. time, and um, and yeah, you'll uh, you'll find yourself taking steps. And you know, a lot like me, you know, I'm I'm an engineer, so I like to plan. I like to know the whole process up front. But um, the encouragement that I got, um, and what really helped was just knowing that you don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to take the next mm-hmm. step. And, um, and if you're lacking confidence, connect with folks that are a few steps ahead of you so that you can have, you can share their confidence. You know, yeah, you don't have to right. work it up all, all yourself. So, yeah, I, I love, I love people because everybody's so different, you know? So, uh, for, for me, I've got no problem taking the next step, you know, analysis process, don't identify, I, I will step off a cliff. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yep. um, but my problem then, my struggle is where am I going? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, for somebody like yourself, you're like, well, why would I start if I don't know where I'm going? And then <laughs> exactly. you're like, well, now I know where I'm going, but how am I going to get there? And when should I do it? So, you know, everybody's different. You just got to identify mm-hmm. what is your hang up? What's your weakness? Find somebody that's better than you in that area that can challenge you, hold you accountable 
and, and help you kind of uh, move in that direction mm-hmm. and address those things. But uh, what's been one of the greatest resources for you in your real estate investing career? Yeah, I would say, um, um, I would say the, the coaching and mastermind groups, um, you know, just the, you know, one being surrounded by people that are there to help you and there to give, um, and, and being able to give myself, you know, and, and, and teach others that are, you know, yeah. wherever you're at in the journey, even if you're just starting, there's somebody that's, even if it's two days before you are, yeah. are behind you on the journey. Um, and, um, and I think it also, you know, the commitment of being in a group that you're paying for forces accountability, you yeah. know, especially if you're, if you're coming from a frugal mindset and, you know, every dollar out the door means something. So if I'm, if I'm paying money for this, there's no way I'm going to just sit on my hands and right. Not you're not going to let it go to waste. Exactly. Yeah. That's good. Um, you had mentioned uh, book, podcast, website. How can people follow your guys' success? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on um, Facebook and LinkedIn for social media, but um, my website's uh, www.selfstoragestewardship.com. It's a mouthful, but uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, more than happy to uh, to talk to any of your listeners that want to reach out and have questions. Awesome. We'll put those those links in the show notes. Uh, dude, thank you so much for taking the time to unfold this, uh, to unpack things a little bit. Um, yeah, it, it's been it's been awesome. Yeah. And, and if any of absolutely. our listeners are wanting to dive into self storage or learn more about it, definitely reach out to Andrew. Um, <clears throat> tap him for some info, and and uh, he's definitely a lot further down the line than than we are. Obviously, we don't invest in self storage, but uh, great asset class. And so thank you for sharing with us. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I did just, uh, just developed, a, um, a coaching program as well that I work one-on-one with folks that want to close on that first self-storage. Oh, awesome. Hospital. Yeah. Is that, uh, would that be on your website yet? Um, we're, uh, we're updating the website. So yeah, it should be up, uh, up there shortly, but if folks want to reach out, I'm more Very than happy cool. to lay out kind of the, the pillars of the program and how yeah. we get you there. That's great. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. All right, man. Have a great day. All right, you guys too. Take care. Thanks for having me on. As always, excited that you joined us on another episode of the Reinvest Podcast. If this episode added to your tool belt or left you feeling inspired, go ahead and share it with a friend. Stay tuned every Tuesday for new episodes. And if you want to get in touch with us, go to our LinkedIn or Facebook profiles and shoot us a message. Move farther, reach higher, and grow deeper. See you next time.